welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, church. If I haven't had a chance to personally meet you, if you're our guest here this morning, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC And we're so excited that you're with us this morning, starting your new year off right and celebrating and worshiping with us. And um, we want you to know that we are passionate. We're excited about what God is doing this year. Our vision as a church is making people and places new. And we're praying already as we look at this new year that God would help us to do that in new ways that we would see even greater things as we move into 2016 of what God wants to do in our lives of making people and places new. And just want to encourage you, just what, what Alita said next week, please don't come alone. Invite someone with you. We want to pack this place out as we celebrate what God has done. And even as we look into this next year, what we believe God is going to do through our church and through our lives um, all around us. And we wanted to start this year off right. Um, and so we want to start this first message by talking about the power of prayer. Um, and so we just want to spend some time this morning talking about what prayer is and the impact that has inside of our life. Now, we probably don't spend a lot of time thinking maybe about prayer or, or kind of what it is, but prayer is very simple. It's simply a conversation between you and God, okay? And you don't have to be in a certain spot. You don't have to be here in this church building. You don't have to be um, kneeling down. You don't have to be in any certain posture. You don't have to close your eyes. Matter of fact, if you're driving and praying, please don't close your eyes, okay? You can be almost anywhere, and you can pray. You can pause um, whatever you're doing or refocus your attention and talk to God, have a conversation with God just like you would anyone else in your life, just like any other relationship. Prayer is God's desire to communicate with us as his creation, our desire as God's creation to communicate back to him and to talk to him about what you're going through about what the need is in your life, about situations that you're facing, circumstances in your life, direction that you need. That's what prayer is there for. It helps us to talk to God and to get that direction that we need from God in our life. And prayer makes a difference, not only in whatever we're asking God for, if it's in our finances, if it's a decision, if it's wisdom, any of those things. Prayer not only changes things on the outside, but the power of prayer changes who we are on the inside. See, whether you realize it or not, when you begin to talk to God, when you begin to have a conversation with God, it changes and it does something on who you are on the inside, on a deep level as God's creation. Prayer changes us. It changes the way we view the world. It changes our relationship with God. That's why we should pray. That's why prayer should be an important part of our life. And so we're going to look at this this morning, this idea of asking God of prayer, the conversations that we have with God and the power that that um, demonstrates inside of our life. And so I'm going to ask you to help me by doing something this morning. If you have a cell phone, if you could take that out. Okay. I know pastors normally tell you to put away your cell phones, but I'm asking you to take that out this morning. And, and I want you to do something. I want you to think about someone. It could be a family member. Okay. Some of you don't want to think about family because you spent all holidays with them. Okay. So it could be a friend, a coworker, someone, you know, and I want you to text them something right now in the middle of this service, okay? You can text them good morning. You can text them happy new year if you haven't already done that. If you have a smartphone, you can take a picture, put it on Instagram, say my pastor's making me do this Sunday selfie. Okay, whatever you need to do right now, just do that real quick. Go ahead and text that person, hi, um, from NCC Church. Whatever you want to do, take a quick moment, do that, okay? 
And then after you've done that, after you've texted someone, good morning, happy Sunday, whatever, you've posted something on Twitter, on Facebook, and you've posted a photo, okay, I want you, the second thing is to make sure that your phone is on silent or vibrate, because I don't want phone or your ringtones going off here It's the next few minutes as people reply, okay? And then take a moment and think about what just happened, okay? You took out some kind of device, whatever your device is, some cell phone, um, some of you guys may still have flip phones, whatever that was, and you communicated with someone that is not in this room with us. Some of you may have texted a family member or a friend that's five, ten miles away in another city. Some of you to someone in another state. You're sharing a moment. You're sharing a thought. You're sharing a memory, a picture, something with someone that's not present here with you. You're able to communicate to them even though they're not right here with you. Some of you may be like me and you have friends um, in other countries, in England and other parts of the world, and you were just able to share with them a thought right here from Mesquite, Texas, you as a person, even though they're on the other side of the world, even though they're thousands of miles away. Now, we don't really think about how amazing that is. Like every time you send a text, you're not thinking, oh man, something's going for my phone and going up onto a satellite and bouncing around. And in a matter of just seconds, it's traveling to someone else. We often don't think about the impact of what that's like. We kind of take technology for granted. I mean, think about trying to explain to someone a hundred years ago that you could look into a little black box and you could interact and see a picture and see a video of someone hundreds of miles away and instantaneously you could be communicating with them and sharing that experience. I mean, that's pretty crazy. But once again, we don't think about that every time you send a text or every time you make a phone call. We kind of take that for granted, don't we? And we do that when it comes to prayer so many times. Like we're not really thinking as we say a prayer, as we mention a prayer, oftentimes we're not really thinking about what's taking place in that moment as we're praying. Just stop and think about that for a second. That there are billions of people on this planet. And in that moment when you pause, when you get up in the morning, when whatever you're doing, when you shift your focus from yourself and you shift it to God, that you're talking to the creator of the universe you're talking to the God who made everything in the world, everything that you see. And for those few seconds while you're talking with him, you have his full attention. That he's wanting to hear what it is that you're saying. He wants to give you advice. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to draw close to you. The God who made everything is concerned about you and wants to have a conversation with you. And so many times we don't think about that or the power of that whenever we're saying prayers. We're saying things like, God, bless this food. Don't let me get food poisoning from this restaurant. Um, God, help me to find a good parking spot at the mall. And there's nothing wrong with those kinds of prayers. But many times we just throw them up without realizing the power of what's taking place in that moment. You're talking with God. You're talking with the God who made everything and he wants to have a conversation with you. Now, when you start to realize that, when you understand what prayer is that I'm talking with God, the one who made everything, and I start to realize, hey, there's a power in that. There's something that happens when I open up that line of communication with my creator, with the Savior, with the one who gave his life for me. When I start to realize that, there's a power, and that power, as I said, not only changes things on the outside, it starts to alter me as a person. On the deepest levels of my heart, it begins to change things in my life when I realize the power of prayer and what it does when I have a conversation with God. And so I want us to look at scripture this morning and look at a prayer that Jesus gave us. 
And as we look at this prayer, I want to see I want us to see the power of that prayer and what it does for us as individuals. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There should be a Bible in the seat in front of you. It may be a little bit down the row, a few seats over, but you can grab that Bible if you don't have one and turn to page 526 in that Bible in the seat in front of you. And we're going to read this prayer that Jesus gave to this group of people. Now, in case you're not familiar with what's taking place in the book of Matthew here, Um, Jesus is in the middle of a message. It's a Sunday morning, probably like this, or at some point in the week, and Jesus has this large group of people, and he's preaching to them on the side of a mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, because that's where he was. He's on the side of the mountain, and he's talking to this group of people. And he's actually going through a number of different things as he's preaching this message or this sermon to them. He talks to them about their attitudes. It's called the Beatitudes, and what kind of attitude God blesses in our life. He talks to them about how they're the light of the world, what their action means to other people and how they reflect the image of God to others. He talks to them and preaches to them about how they should love their enemy, how they should bless those that hate them, the words that they speak, what that means to even people that they don't like. And then he gets to this part in Matthew chapter 6 where he begins to talk about prayer. And he doesn't just jump into the prayer. He actually tells them a few things about what prayer is. He's talking about prayer is this conversation between you and God. Don't make it about other things. When you go to pray, when you go to talk to God, don't make a show of it. Don't stand up in front of everyone. Don't get on the table at the restaurant that you're at and let everyone know you're about to pray. Don't try to impress people with your prayers. So don't try to use words that no one else understands, but you do just so people can think, man, that person's really smart. Don't do that, okay? Jesus is saying, hey, prayer is between you and God. He says it like this, go into a secret place, like go into your closet, go into this place where you're at, where it's really just between you and God and where you're talking to the creator of the world and you're communicating with him. And so he gives them this pattern that they should pray in. In Matthew chapter 6, 9, it says this, Jesus said, pray then like this. And I want us to pray this together. This is called the Lord's Prayer. This is the pattern that Jesus gave them to pray. And so I'm going to say a line, and then I want you to repeat it after me this morning. And I may say one or two lines, and then you guys will jump in and repeat that prayer. So we're going to kind of do it in unison here this morning after I say this, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this is the prayer. When Jesus is preaching this message, this is a simple prayer that he gives them to pray. He's saying, hey, whenever you talk to God, this is the kind of conversation that you should have. And as I've been reading about this and I've been reading the prayer over and over again the past few weeks and thinking about this message this morning, I'm not sold on the idea that Jesus wants you to say these exact words. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think he was saying, hey, every time you talk to God, you need to say these exact words in this order. I think there's some things that Jesus is giving us in this prayer that affect us, that show us the power of prayer, that actually make a difference on the inside of us. 
So it was less about the formula that Jesus was praying and more about the condition of our heart and what happens as we pray these type of words, as we talk to God, as we communicate with God. And so I want us to look at that. What is going on in this prayer that Jesus prays and what can we learn about our communication and our view of who God is as we have conversations with him. And so let's look at this, the power of prayer. And the first thing that Jesus says is, our Father in heaven. Just think about those two words that Jesus starts with, our Father. This idea of what he's communicating to this large group of people on the side of this mountain, who many of them viewed God as this distant being, this God out there in the cosmos, some God out there in space. And Jesus brings him very close and says, no, he's not just my father, he's actually our father. So when you pray, when you think about God, when you come to him in a conversation, it starts off with how do you see him? Where is your identity at? If you're taking notes, write that down. Identity is a powerful part of our prayer. And Jesus starts with this identity of he's our father. He's not some cosmic judge out there waiting for you to mess up, waiting for, for you to just kind of make a mistake, and then he's going to come down on you. No, this is a loving father. Think about how a good father would interact with his son, and Jesus is saying, hey, this is how you should view God as you approach, approach him in prayer. How do you identify yourself with him? Church, when you're praying, how do you think about God in relationship to who you are? See, that's what Jesus is saying as you come to him. Do you see yourself as his son? Do you see yourself as his daughter? That everything that God has, that you have access to as a son or as a daughter of God, that he's given you that. He's given you the ability. He's given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's given you that authority that he carries. He's adopted you into his household. That it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you see yourself. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed, even this week or even this morning. God, if you're a believer, he says, you know what? You're my son. You're my daughter. Everything that I have is yours. Jesus says, man, are you identifying yourself with God in that way, that he's our father? Now, I want you to think about this this morning. I want you to think about turning 16 years old, okay? For some of you guys, you may not be there yet, so you're going to have to use your imagination, okay? Turning 16 years old, and you go to the DMV, you go to whatever it was called in your state, and you get in a car, and you take a driving test, right? And you get in that, and, and you, by some miracle, you pass, you don't wreck the car, you don't run into anything else, and, and you get a slip of paper, you get some printed ID, and it says, you now have a license to drive. But there's one more obstacle, isn't there? And that's mom and dad. And so you walk into your house and you ask for what? You ask for the keys to the car so you can go out with your friends, so you can go do something fun, so that you can drive around. And I remember that, my dad standing there holding the keys to the car. In that first moment when he handed them to me as an official licensed driver of the state of Colorado, and he was giving me the freedom of that, and, and what I felt in that moment was so exciting because there was a little bit of ownership that this wasn't just mom and dad's car anymore, but it was mine. Maybe you remember the first time your parents gave you a key to the house so you could let yourself into the house and what that felt like. It wasn't just their home, but there was a new sense. There was a new understanding that you were a part of that family, that you had ownership in that. Is that how you see yourself whenever you talk to God? Think about that. All the authority that he gave his son Jesus, he has 
given to us. He's adopted us in as his sons, as his daughters, and we should now identify ourselves as sons and daughters of God, that what we need, he has. Going into 2016, are you remembering your identity, that what you need in your job, what you need in your finances, in your relationship, everything that you need, you have access to the God of heaven. He has given you that authority. He's your heavenly father who will provide for you, who will take care of you. See, Jesus reminds us seeing him as a good heavenly father who meets our needs. And that's how we approach him in prayer. You guys, it changes things when I realize that, when I approach him in that way. Hebrews says that, that you come before the throne of God boldly. That you come before and whatever it is, whatever your petition is, whatever your need is, you can ask God because he's your father and he wants to give you every good gift. Is that how you approach God in prayer? Is that how you come before him as a son or as a daughter who can ask your father for anything? Jesus goes on with this line right here and he says, Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The second thing that Jesus reminds us is not only our identity when we talk to God, not only how we see ourselves when we talk to God, but how we see God in this act of worship. See, this word, we don't use that a lot, hallowed. I mean, that's not something you text someone or use in everyday conversation. But it had this connotation in the Bible of holy. It was like saying, God, holy is your name. Now, when you and I think of the word holy, a lot of times we think of God being righteous. We think, oh, God doesn't sin. God is perfect. And so that's what it means by him being holy. But to the Jewish audience that Jesus was teaching or Jesus was talking to that day, they would have had a slightly different picture in their mind. Not only God being sinless, not only God being perfect, but this idea of who God was. See, in the prophet, in the Old Testament, in these Old Testament writings, there was this prophet named Isaiah, this man of God that God spoke to. And one day God gave Isaiah a vision standing before the throne room of God. And in this vision, Isaiah could see himself and he could see God on the throne. And all around God's throne, there were these three angelic beings these three angelic creatures, and they were calling out to one another. They had been there throughout all eternity before there was ever time, and they would say the same thing over and over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of your glory. And then you would hear another one on the other side. Cry it back out. Call it back out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And to them, it just didn't have to do with the fact that God was sinless. It had to do with the fact that there was no other person no other created being like god he's holy there's nothing to compare him to there's no one else like him there's nothing else that we could even imagine or fathom or think of that could explain who god is or his infinite power or his infinite wisdom or who he is as a being and so all as they could say all as they could try to explain him with was this word holy 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 is the lord there's no one else like you god there's no other way to describe you. There's not enough words in the English language that we could say that could demonstrate or could adequately explain who you are. You are holy other. There's no one like you. I mean, you think about this. We do this in so many areas of our life, don't we? Like you try out a new restaurant, you go back to work, or you're around a family member or friend, and you compare it to something else. Oh, it's like Five Guys Burger. It's like In-N-Out Burger, the new taco place. It's like Chipotle. But when it comes to God, how do you even come up with the words? There's nothing else that's 
like that, that you can begin to adequately describe who God is. And so Jesus is reminding them, hallowed be your name, God. When we come to you, it's in an act of worship. It's not just our identity, who we are in relationship to you, but God, it's your identity, it's your character, it's your nature, God, that there's no one else like you. Holy is your name, God. Everything about you, Lord, you are incomparable to anything else that we know or that we understand. There was a a famous preacher a while back who penned these words in his message. It's a pretty famous speech, and it's called My King. It was written by Dr. S.M. Lockridge. And in the middle of this message, this is what he says, My King. And he's talking about God. He's talking about who Jesus is. He said he is the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom, and he is the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace, and he's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness, and he's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty, the captain of the conqueror, and the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators, and he's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors, and he is the prince of peace. He goes on like this for a few minutes trying to describe who God is, and then he starts to end the speech by saying this, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, and he's irresistible. What I'm trying to tell you is the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, let alone one man explain him. How do you even begin to talk about who God is? And Jesus is saying, hey, when you come to him, when you have a conversation with him, you need to realize this is an act of worship. You need to realize who you're talking to. Holy is his name. There's no one else like him in all of the world. There's nothing else to compare him to. See, church, when you approach him in prayer, do you realize who it is that you're talking to? God, the creator of the universe who wants to have a conversation with you. Because when you understand that, when you truly begin to worship him, when you truly begin to understand who he is, and you approach him with whatever your need is, all of a sudden it begins to seem very small. See, the thing that's been keeping you up at night, the thing that you worry about, that relationship that's broken, that you're stressed about, your finances, that you don't know what you're going to do, whatever it is, that decision at work that seems like a giant mountain, whatever it is, when you begin to worship God, When you begin to see who he is, all of a sudden you realize nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is too difficult for him. No relationship is too broken that he cannot mend it. No sickness is too difficult or is too far gone that he cannot heal you. There is nothing impossible for God. And when we start to worship him, when we follow this pattern that Jesus said, holy is your name, we realize there's no one like you, God, and so I can come. And ask for whatever it is that I need, God, and you're able to provide because you are all powerful. So Jesus says that holy is your name. He goes on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer of surrender. He's walked us through our identity through worship, but this is a prayer of surrender. And I've heard so many people so many times say, you know what, it's hard, like, I want to make the right decision, I want to make the right choice, but I get in the moment of it. Like I get in the middle of that situation, I get it in the middle of the temptation, and it's just so difficult. I always choose to do the wrong thing. I mess up, I make mistakes. But the power of prayer, the power of this conversation with God, the power of talking with God is when we begin to pray things like this that Jesus gives us, it changes us on the inside. God, your kingdom come. 
and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. What does that mean? What are you asking in that moment? It's a prayer of surrender, God. This isn't about what I want. God, I'm praying that whatever you want to happen, God, whatever's taking place in heaven, God, let that happen inside of me, God. Let that take place in the deepest place, places of my heart, God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, deep inside of me. How do you read about a person like Jesus, the story in the life of Jesus, and you see him in the garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to die? And he prays a prayer in that moment, saying, God, not what I want, not my will, but your will be done. How does he pray that whenever he's about to take the full weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders? Whenever he's about to face the most extreme form of torture that's ever been invented by mankind, by mankind being whipped and crucified on a cross. How does he pray that? Because he's been praying it for years. He's been praying it for decades. When he talks with his father and he says, God, establish your kingdom in me. God, establish your will in my life, not what I want. See, he had prayed that every day of his life, so it wasn't difficult one more time to kneel down, to bow down and say, God, in this moment, in this hard, difficult situation, God, not what I want, what you want. Church, are you praying a prayer of surrender? The way that you're living your life, is it about you? Or are you following this prayer that Jesus gave, saying, God, establish your kingdom in me, God, in my workplace, when I'm at school, God, wherever I'm at, Lord, establish your kingdom inside of me. God, that's my desire, is that what you want to accomplish, Lord, that that would happen inside of my life. And what takes place is, Whenever you're bold enough to pray this kind of prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, one of two things will happen. Either you will stop sinning, you'll stop being selfish, or you will stop praying. Either you'll stop sinning and stop being selfish, or you will stop praying. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't continue to surrender your life and still want it your own way, your own desire. So you'll stop asking God for that. Or you'll stop being selfish and you'll stop sinning. See, there's a power when we communicate to God. When we talk to God, something begins to change, not just on the outside, but on the inside of us. When we say, God, establish your kingdom in me. God, establish your kingdom in my life. He goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. This is a prayer of dependence. There's identity in this prayer. There's worship in this prayer. There's surrender in this prayer, and there's dependence noted in this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. He's making a reference once again into the Old Testament. The people of Israel would have understand this. There's this story in the Bible where God has brought them out of Egypt. He's brought them out of slavery. You may be familiar with this story. 400 years, they've been slaves in Egypt, and God brings them out, and now they're walking around in the desert. And all of a sudden, they look around, and they're like, God, we don't have any food out here. We're going to get hungry really fast if we're walking out here for years and there's nothing. And all of a sudden, they get mad at God. They get angry with God. And they said, why didn't you just leave us as slaves? At least we had food. God, you brought us out in this desert to die? That's what you want for us, God? You just wanted to kill us. And so you brought us out here to starve. And God said, I'm going to provide for you. They wake up one morning. They walk outside of their tent and there's this bread all over the ground covering the desert, bread as far as the eye could see. It was called manna because that Hebrew word literally means what is it. They didn't know what it was. It was just bread that God had provided from heaven. 
And God said that, I'm going to take care of you every day. You can trust me. He was telling his people, you can trust me. You can depend on me. I'm going to feed you exactly what you need. I've not brought you here just to leave you, to abandon you. I'm going to take care of you. I've got your needs in my mind. Some of the people of Israel were exactly like us. Hey, thanks, God, but I don't trust you. And they started taking more than God told them to. And when they woke up the next morning, their tent smelled so bad. All the bread had rotten. And they walked outside and there was fresh bread on the ground. Jesus is reminding his people every day, you trust God. God, give me what I need today, Lord. We can spend so much of our lives worrying about next week or next year or next month or all of those things. We can stress and try to do it on our own instead of praying a prayer of dependence. God, give me what I need today, Lord. God, help me to trust you in this moment, your direction, your guidance, right here, right where I'm at. God, I want to depend on you. Jesus is challenging them. Are you praying in this way? And he closes by saying this, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The last thing is a prayer of repentance. He closes his prayer with this reminder that we are broken, we are messed up people, and we are desperately in need of a savior. In this prayer of repentance, it's not a one-time thing. It's not you coming to the altar at some point in your life and repeating this prayer. Repentance is a daily act. It's a daily conversation with God. God, I'll mess up today. God, I'll make mistakes today. God, I'll sin today if I don't have you in my life. So God, you lead me. God, you lead me away from temptation. God, don't let me fall into evil. God, help me to be righteous as you are righteous. God, clothe me in your righteousness. It's a daily act of repentance. You can't do it on your own. The danger is when we've been in church for so long, when we've done this enough, when we've come in a routine and we're familiar with God, we start to think it's our own righteousness. God, I'm good enough on my own. God, I've got it figured out. I know how to pray. I know how to read my Bible. I give money. God, I do all the right things. And we start to forget, no, it's a daily prayer of repentance. God, I need you today, God. I'm broken. I'm messed up. God, I don't want to be but I'll hurt people around me. I'll make mistakes. I'll have a bad attitude. I'll say wrong things. God, lead me away from evil. God, don't lead me into temptation. God, deliver me, Lord. And Jesus is reminding them, you have to pray that every day. When you're in a conversation with God, you're talking to him saying, God, do this in my life. Change me on the inside. See, church, there's a power in this prayer that Jesus gives us. It's not a magic formula. It's not saying these words. It's the attitude of our heart. But when we begin to pray in this way, when we recognize he's our father, when we worship him because of who he is, because there's no one like him, when we're willing to surrender our right, when we're willing to depend and trust in him, when we're willing to walk in repentance, when we do that, the power of prayer is it's something that happens out there. It's something that happens in here. It's a change that happens on the inside of you it makes a difference on the inside see that's why you pray that's why you have a conversation with God that's why it's important every day to be talking to the creator of the universe he wants a relationship with you and when you foster that relationship when you engage in that conversation over and over again it begins to change you God's answer may not always be yes to everything that you have in mind but I can tell you this, he 
is always willing to shape you more and more into his image and into his likeness. And I want us to respond in two ways this morning. The first way is this. Earlier, if you have it, I asked you to take out your cell phone. And for many of you that use this, I want you to set a reminder. For others of you, you may have to write yourself a note and put it on the refrigerator, put it on the bathroom mirror. But I want you to do this. I want you to set yourself somehow a reminder. You can do it right now while I'm talking where an alarm goes off. It can be when you wake up in the morning. It can be at noon whenever you stop and eat lunch. It could be before you go to bed at night that you would pray. If not all of the Lord's prayer, you would focus in on a part of what we talked about this morning. God, help me to realize who you are and who I am. God, help me to surrender today. And every day for the next seven days to create a pattern. As we start off this year, let's pray together as this church what he's asked us to pray. That our hearts would be in the right spot as we communicate and as we talk with God. And then we're going to do that right here in this room this morning. In a moment, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. You don't have to do that to pray, but we're going to do it just so we focus in on God and we're not distracted by other things around us. We're going to pray in two ways. We're just going to take a few moments. It's not going to be too long. But we're going to ask God that everything that we've just talked about in this prayer that Jesus gave us, that God would show us how he wants to change us, what he wants to do inside of us, starting right here, not starting out there, but starting right here. God, what do you want to do in 2016, God? If our vision as a church is making people and places new, God, how do you want to make me new this year? And then after we've prayed that way in a few moments, I'm going to come up and I'll shift the prayer focus and we're going to pray, God, what do you want to do with us as a church? God, in 2016, what do you want to do in NCC, God? How can our community, how can our workplace, God, how can our families be changed together corporately as your church, God, as a body of believers? God, what do you want this year to be like? God, how do we worship you more? How do we see who you are? How do we surrender more? So let's do that right now. I'm going to ask you if you would just bow your head so you're not distracted. And just as I begin to pray, I'm going to be praying out loud, but don't just listen to my words. You begin to talk to God. If you're not familiar with praying, just have a conversation. Share whatever is on your heart. Ask God what he wants to do in your life. Stop and have a conversation with your heavenly father. God, we come to you this morning, Lord. God, I need you, Lord. I need this year to be different in my life, Lord. I'm praying for the change, not just to be out there, God, but to be here inside of my heart, God. So once again, I come, I surrender, God. I surrender everything that I am to you, God. Not what I want, God, not my desires, Lord, but your dreams, God, your hopes, your plans for my life. God, do that in 2016. God, establish your kingdom in me, Lord. God, I repent, Lord. God, for the sins I committed in 2015, God, for the sins of my past, but God, I'm asking this year, lead me not into temptation, God, deliver me from evil, God, clothe me in your righteousness, God, in this year, Lord, let me walk, God, as you want me to walk, following your direction, following your lead, God, I give everything that I am to you, Lord, because you're worthy, God, because of who you are, Lord, because there's no one like you, Lord, because your name is holy, God, Lord, so I want to live everything, God, every single day, every moment, God, with everything that I have for you, God. 
So let this be the year, God, of breakthrough in my personal life. God, establish your kingdom in my personal life. God, make a change inside of me as a person. God, I desperately want that, Lord. Do that in me. Do that in me, oh God. Church, now let's just take a moment and let's pray for our church, us as a corporate body, what God wants to do to change and transform our communities and our cities. Let's begin to ask God to do that in 2016. God, we come to you, Lord, and we pray that, God, establish your kingdom here in Mesquite, God. Establish your kingdom in the surrounding areas, God, in Sunnyvale, in Forney, in Rockwall, God, in Garland, Lord, in every area, God, surrounding this place, God. Let this community be different because new community church is here, Lord, because of what you're doing in this place, God, what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Every day, send us out as your church, God. Lord, do something amazing, God. Break through, Lord. God, let this community know transformation. Let it be made new, God, because of your power, Lord, and you working inside of us, God. Lord, I pray that break addictions, Lord, break strongholds in our community, God, things that hold us back, Lord, together as a people, Lord, so that we could know your righteousness, so that we know your goodness, Lord. Help us as a people to live for you, Lord, and let that make all the difference in the world, God. God, we pray this this morning, Lord. 2016, God, we commit and devote this year to you, Lord, for everything that you want, Lord, for what you want to happen, God. And we pray that, Lord, make us new, God. Make people around us new, God. Make our communities new, Lord. Make our workplace new, Lord. Change us and transform us by the power of your word, God. And as we pray, as we call out to you, Lord, as we cry out to you, Lord, let the change start inside of us, God. Let us see tremendous things, Lord. Your glory and your power established here in our community, God, and we pray this in your name. Amen.